Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of revelation in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bring every mind into alignment with the assignment that you have for this day. I welcome you, Father, in this place. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ today. Lord, let there come deep revelation as to what you are doing on planet Earth today and what you are doing in the hearts of your people today. You said, Lord, he that has ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. So I speak to every ear. I unlock it now to the purposes of God. I break the spirit of heaviness and deafness to the things of God. And I speak life and sight and hearing and a perception to the things of the spirit. I break now in Jesus' name every resistance to the work and the move of the spirit in these times. And I speak over your life right now. Open heaven, open access, an awareness that Father is speaking to you today. So I invite all the angels of heaven to fill this place. Spirit of revelation, fill this place today. And I pray that every heart would encounter you in a deep, deep way today. Lord, let it come a yes and amen in the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So open up your Bible now. I want you to work with me today. To 1 John chapter 2 verse 12. I want to talk to you today about the third day church. You know, it says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 that a day is like a thousand years. And we are in the in the wonderful season of the third day church. And uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, we have three disciples going up with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John, representing the three seasons or the three days of the church. Peter, James, and John, who came representing the last day or the third day church. That's why Jesus said to Peter, what is it to you if John remains till I come? So John is a picture of the church that remains when Jesus comes back to take us to be with him. He's a picture of the third day church. That's why John writes three epistles, because he's the third day church writer. No other one writes three epistles except John. He is uniquely set aside to speak to the church in this age. Did you hear me? And so he writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. The church has got a revelation of the unconditional forgiveness of the Father towards us. He says, not just to little children, but I write to you, and he says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Children, fathers, and then he says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Again, he says, I write to you, little children, because you've known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, 
because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. As we mature in the Lord, we begin to get in alignment with what Father is doing on planet Earth. He writes to children, to young men, and to fathers. These are all levels of progression in our maturity in the things of the Spirit. Children who understand forgiveness, young men who get a revelation of the Word and how to overcome, how to develop leadership in their soul, how to overcome in the realm of their soul, how to put away orphan thinking, feelings and choices, and begin to progress in our maturity as sons. Then he writes to fathers who have known him who is from the beginning. In other words, fathers have a, as it were, an eternal perspective of what is taking place in the kingdom from the beginning to the end. They begin to see the assignment of Father God for planet Earth. Young children, their obsession is just learning that they're secure in him. Young, sorry, yeah, children, sons, well, their thing is working about personal transformation it's it's a it's a focus on themselves on them beginning to mature and be transformed but fathers and that is a spiritual term for men and women fathers have an understanding of what god is doing both in the past the present and the future they begin to be aligned with his purpose their prayer life isn't just focused on them give me breakthrough give me blessing and these are all good things but their prayer life begins to change and it says what's on your heart for the nations what are you doing god what are you feeling about what is on your heart what what i was going to say what keeps you awake at night father <laughs> what's on your agenda show me what your timetable is for the planet something begins to shift and as you study as a father, you begin to realize that God has a, an amazing plan for the generations and particularly for this time. As you look at the father from the beginning, right in the very beginning in creation, we see that God had created a lease for planet Earth. The, the days of creation are really an unfolding of what God's intention was for the days of the week or the or the, or the seasons that he would appoint for planet Earth. Everything was recorded in the first chapter of Genesis of what God would do in every generation. Isn't that amazing? So it tells us that right at the beginning, he said there would be six days, then on the seventh day there would be a rest. And Peter says in 2 Peter 3.8 that a day of the Lord is like a thousand years. So right from the beginning, God said that the earth would have a 6,000-year lease. And in that next period, that next millennium, he would return and the church would be raptured with him. So we have the seven days of God that begin from Adam, 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, and then another 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, then another 2,000 years from Jesus to where we are now. They are six days. We call them the six days of Father God. And then the seventh day he shall return. And then you see, so that's the six days, seven days of Father. And then we see in Scripture that there are the three days of Jesus which begin at his birth. And we are now on the third day. So 2,000 years have passed since Jesus came. 
And we are in the third day of Christ and also the seventh day of the Father. Seven days from creation and three days or the third day from the birth or the death of Jesus Christ. And we can see from creation that God has a plan that he wants to reveal to the church. So we are going from just being introspective, God changed me, God touched me, God blessed me, to what is your plan for the nations? What is your timetable? Cause us to be prophetic people that see that you have a blueprint and a plan for the ages. And here's the sad reality. Most of the church have no idea that God has a timetable for the nations that includes them, that demands that they become active in bringing that timetable to pass. So on the fourth day, I'll give you an example of creation. We see that God creates the sun and the moon. It's a picture. Four days from creation is when Jesus is born. And we see the sun comes to earth in the midst of darkness. And he gives birth to the church, which is the moon, a reflection of the sun, that the moon would shine light in a dark place. We see right from the beginning, God had a plan in mind that as he unfolded the lease on the earth, he knew that Jesus was coming four days into the lease. On the sixth day, which is the day that we live in right now, six days from creation, look what takes place. You may want to read on the screen it says on the sixth day, there was dominion given to man over the fish of the waters, the birds in the sky, and over the animals of the earth. The fish, the birds, and the animals. That's our era right now. What, what was God saying when he said that? He was saying this, that we are to exercise leadership over people. Fish represent people. The, the sea and fish, Jesus said to the disciples, I will make you fishers of men. So God was saying to, to the church that on the sixth day, you are going to know what it means to exercise incredible leadership among the people. Why is that a big deal? Because the church, by and large, has walked away from leading nations to hiding in buildings like this. And from Monday to Saturday, we are not exercising the leadership that God wants us to do in business, in government, in family, in education. And God said way back when he created the earth on the sixth day, my church will come into incredible anointing to lead the nations. Are you getting this? That's what it means to be prophetic, to understand that there, we are in the greatest time that the church has ever known. And eventually we'll catch on that God has a prophetic timetable. He says, not only that, I will give you dominion over the skies and the birds. And right throughout scripture, birds are a picture of principalities and powers. In other words, I will give you authority over demons. I'll give you authority over principalities and powers where they are reigning and ruling over areas, whether it's music, whether it's cities, whether it's people. I will give my church unprecedented authority over demons and principalities and powers. And I'm seeing that more and more. I've told you before, but we walk through the city 
And as we walk through the city of Karanai, we see and have experienced people begin to manifest as we walk past them. Buskers who are holding large crowds captive as we walk past, they would begin to manifest and prophesy over us because they, they do not like the spirit of God that we carry. But guess what? Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And God is promising the third day church that we'll walk in incredible authority and power. Do not be surprised when people start to manifest and shake and react to your presence because you carry the presence of the Holy Ghost inside. And we'll come into a new awareness of the authority that we have. Are you getting this? And he says, I'll give you dominion over the earth and over animals. And that's a picture of man's ability or dominion over the possessions of the world. There's a promise in the last days that he said, the wealth of the wicked will be laid up for the just. And God's people will know not just to hoard money, but how to facilitate the greatest transfer of wealth for the purpose of the kingdom, to feed the poor, like we've heard today, to, to bring the kingdom to every aspect of, of society. Because the money is in the hands of the wrong people, people that spend it on themselves, who flaunt money, who use it for all sorts of addictions. But God has promised to the third day church, the seventh day church, that we will walk in dominion over not just principalities and power, not just leading people, but over the possessions of the world. For he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. He's got no problem with money. It's his church has had a problem. Isn't it interesting in Revelation eleven six that the two witnesses that are left on the earth, however you want to interpret Revelation, when they prophesy, it's the three things that I've mentioned that they prophesy over. They have power to shut the heavens, they have power over the water, and they have power over the earth. Those three things that we've mentioned, the end time church exercise authority over people, over, over principalities, and over possessions. This will be the power of the third day church. And God is trying to get his people ready from children to sons to fathers. And you may say in your heart, Andrew keeps banging on about the same thing. The reason I keep telling you the same thing, because God's plan will never change. He's trying through the spirit of God to position his people to be ready to fulfill his purpose. Children can't do this. Sons can't do this. It must be father, fathers and mothers that rise up and begin to take the authority of the third day church. Yeah. Are you getting this? So while we wallow in are we forgiven or not, or, or, or does God love us or not, or am I broken or not, while we wallow in introspection, we will never be leaders in the world. It's time for the church to grow up, to mature. This is the heart of John, who sat right next to the ear of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, and captured the things of his heart. And, and he wrote that for the third day church with you on his mind. Isaiah 66 verse 7 says, Before she travailed, this is the church, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. This is speaking of the church through the Spirit of God giving birth to a child that measures up to the fullness of Christ. That's the reward for his suffering. He's bringing the bride so it measures up to the fullness of him. He goes on to say, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? We've never seen the church rise up to the fullness yet, have we? But he says, 
Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Remember the day of the Lord. Shall a nation be born at once? But as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her child. And I want you to know today that God is stirring his church. There is a travailing coming to the intercessors, to the people of God that they sense in their heart. God is wanting to birth something new and fresh in this hour. Now, what you need to understand that the day of the Lord comes like this. A Jewish day begins in darkness at six o'clock at night. It doesn't begin like ours does, but it begins from darkness and it leads into light. Isaiah says, behold, there'll be deep darkness on the earth, but arise and shine for the light has come. And so we are seeing into the things of the spirit as it were darkly. We, we begin to sense that God is doing something great, but we look with our natural eyes and we see nothing to indicate that God is at work. In many ways. But we know in our hearts that even though it's dark, even though it's dark, God is leading the church into a place where the morning sun will rise. He'll come and something will begin to shift. We are in a new day, even though it's dark. I want to give you five blueprints for the third day church. Some of these you've heard. Some of these you haven't. Luke 13, 32, Jesus said, on the third day, I'm going to be perfected. And he will. So here we go. If you're taking notes, in the third day church, there's going to be three levels of revelation that will be very clearly unpacked. Many of you know these, but for some who are new, I'm just going to quickly go over them. But the third day church, like never before, will get a revelation of the three levels of of the kingdom. It will be so clear and there'll, there'll be an understanding of what it means to be discipled in the kingdom and what it means to be mature in the kingdom. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Abraham who was a altar builder, Isaac who dug wells, Jacob who was the one that built tents. It's a picture of the three levels of revelation. Salvation, so Abraham built an altar, began to worship God, came from a foreign land, had an encounter with God by faith, and he gets a revelation of salvation. So he builds an altar to commune with God. That, that revelation that we are unconditionally loved by him the moment we're born again, and we have constant access to fellowship with him. Isaac is a picture of sonship. So he builds, he builds wells, and as a son, he begins to dig into the deep things of the spirit, he begins to discover things that are hidden, hidden treasures about himself and about God. And sonship is a, an amazing thing, but it's not just that because then we have Jacob, who is a tent builder. He takes dominion of land. He possesses the land. And so in this third day church, God's given his people a revelation. Don't stay as a child. Don't stay as a son, but progress to fathering. Forget, progress to places where you take dominion over the land. Amen. We've told you before, he is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I've, I've told many people this, but you may not have heard it, that in creation we have two chapters that are put aside to, to the creation of all the world. Everything that you see is down pat in two chapters. But the creation of man, God allows 50 chapters, which is the tabernacle, the unveiling of the man or of the woman of God. Two chapters for the world 
and 50 chapters for you. You are very complex. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way into salvation, the truth about yourself and God, which is found in the holy place, our mind, our will, and emotions, are all covered in the holy place. God restores us, the way, the truth, and the life. We come into the holy of holies where we discover what it means to have dominion with God over nations. He says, ask, seek, and knock. We ask for salvation. It's easy. We seek for personal transformation. It's much harder. Have you noticed? Then we knock because we begin to wrestle with God for the transformation of nations. This is the threefold revelation that God's revealing to the church. Victory over death, spiritual death, victory over sin, and victory over Satan. Spiritual death, victory over sin, personal transformation, and victory over Satan, the ruling of nations. The threefold revelation. Isn't that amazing? That's one of the blueprints that God is revealing. All his people will have an understanding of how God builds a man or a woman of God. See, in times past, we've not realized that. You may take it for granted, but when I grew up, nobody talked about the soul. Nobody talked about transformation. Nobody talked about ruling nations. We talked about two things, getting saved and the second coming. And that was about it. But God is beginning to reveal the blueprint, the revelation of how he builds a man or woman of God, how he builds the kingdom. So the first revelation, levels of revelation of the kingdom. The second thing I want to talk to you today about these blueprints is that the revelation that his sheep will be tended on all three days. Three times Jesus came to Peter. Firstly, he came to Peter on the third day, so the third time after his resurrection. And he comes to Peter and he says, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, yes, of course I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times he says that. And there is on the heart of God that the church would get a revelation that both children, sorry, children sons and fathers all, needed to be, all need to be tended and looked after in this age. Yeah. What do I mean by that? I mean that in all our education, in all our discipleship, in all our understanding that we need to be nurturing people constantly in those three areas. Constantly. In our own personal life, we need to be nurturing ourselves in those three areas. Tending as a child, as a son, as a father, you know, I've been preaching this for years now and I'm, I've gone back to the child stage and just been reminding myself of the unconditional forgiveness and love of the father to me. So we don't, we don't put away those things, we build on them. We get more revelation, we get more understanding and God's wanting to do that with the church today. Ground us over and over and over and over again in all those levels. Do you truly know today that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Do you truly understand that? Is it affecting the way that you communicate with God? Is it affecting the way you love other people? Is it affecting the way that you see God showering his favor on you? Is there still aspects of the law and condemnation in your life. So Jesus said, look after my sheep in all three, 
in all three days. Tend them, care for them, feed them. And he's saying the same thing about you. You've got to take care of those three realms in your life. Am I a good child? Secure child? Am I a good son? Am I a good father? The third blueprint, it says in Genesis 1 verse 9, that there was a separation for fruitfulness on the third day. On the third day in Genesis 1.9, the seas were separated and the vegetation came forth with seed in it. In the third day, there will be a separation for fruitfulness. There will be a continual and increasing war between the flesh and the spirit. In 2 Samuel 3, 1 says that there was a war between David and Saul. And David's kingdom grew stronger and stronger. And Saul's kingdom grew weaker and weaker. And I want to send out a message to the church today that there is an intense war, not only outside the church, but inside the church, between that which is of the flesh and that which is of the spirit. Are you hearing this? And more and more there is a clashing of mindsets and theology and kingdoms within the church. And we need to understand that it will be a hallmark of the third day church. There will be a separation, not elitism, but a separation between those that believe the word, that follow him, that are righteous and holy, and those that water down and question the word. There will be a war. There will be a separation between good and evil, between that which is of the flesh and that which is of the spirit. So God's people better be grounded in the word. They better be full of the Holy Ghost. They better have an ability to discern between right and wrong, good and evil. We are being assaulted, church, in every area, every era, every foundational doctrine has been assaulted and questioned. Not, I'm not worried about outside the church because that's always happened. It's inside the church I'm worried about or concerned about. And so we see in the third day, there's a separation between the land and the sea. And all of a sudden there is fruitfulness. So don't be surprised about the separation because it's that which will lead to fruitfulness. He will expose that which is not of him, so fruitfulness can come. Matthew 13, 33, lots of threes there. He told a parable about a woman. He took and hid three measures of flour until it was all leavened. That woman is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And he's taking three measures of flour until it's all leavened and he's mixing it. He's beginning to change the doctrine or correct the doctrine of the church. He is at work because he wants to bring about 30, 60, 100-fold return. And there's been a lot of mixture in the church, a lot of wacky, crazy stuff going on. And Holy Spirit is at work today to separate and to bring fruitfulness. Let him work, I say. Number four. There will be very clearly an assignment of the Holy Spirit to prepare the church for the coming of the Son. It will be very, very clear that that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight. Midnight is a picture, obviously, of the end times. 
So this person has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Not two, not four, but three. For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I've got nothing to set before him. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit calling to the church saying, I have a friend coming from far away. Who's that? It's Jesus. And he's coming and I want to give him something when he comes. What do I want to give him? Three loaves. What is that? A picture of the church, mature, complete in him, rising up to the full measure of Christ, spirit, soul and body, as a child, as a, as a young man, and as a father. And the Holy Spirit is saying, this is my passion to present the church to, my, to Jesus in the fullness. So when we look at him, we are eye to eye with him. We are a bride that's fit to walk down the aisle. We're not unequally yoked. Being unequally yoked is much more than you think. It's about the church rising up to the fullness of Christ so we can rule and reign with him. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm looking for a bride. I'm looking for something to give my friend who's coming. He is coming. Did you hear me? He is coming. There's no doubt about it. Church, get ready. He is coming. And the Holy Spirit says, I must have three loaves to give him. Don't you find that amazing? And I've got nothing to set before him. I think, oh my. Is that the cry of the Holy Spirit today when he looks across the church? That he's saying that I want to give Jesus something, but when I look, what I have is not ready for him. I'm saying, God, prepare me, change me, do something in me, slap me, do something. Give me a revelation. Prepare the church for Jesus. It should, it should stir your heart. It should motivate you. It should, it should cause you to pray and cry out to him, God, prepare your church. If Jesus died on the cross for us and shed his blood because he wanted a bride, surely that should move our hearts. God, prepare your church. He said, I want three loaves. For I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, the man answers. What's inside? It's in our hearts. He says, don't bother me. The door is shut. The door is a picture of the entrance into our heart or decision-making. I've made a choice to shut my ear to your cry. Don't bother me. And my children and I are in bed. Children are a picture of our future or our inheritance. Bed is a picture of our heart again. I've, I've brought things into my heart that now I've got no room for you. I've got a future. I've got a mortgage. I, I want to have children. I want to plan my life. I want to go around the world. I've got no time for your agenda. Don't come yet. You'd mess my life up. Have you heard Christians say that? I hope Jesus doesn't come back today. I want to get married first. Really? Really? Not that marriage is bad. But really, is that our revelation of Jesus and of heaven? That Paul said it's better to be with him. Truly, when we meet him and understand him and connect with his heart, the longing of our heart, the spirit and the bride say, come. The greatest thing in our heart would be to encounter him, to have Jesus put his arms around us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. It will make everything else seem just so insignificant. And we're so caught up with carnal 
earthly thinking. Well, I wonder if I get to heaven and my friends aren't there. You know, what if I live too far away? From, I was like, my children are in bed with me and I cannot rise up and give you anything. Hear that? I cannot get up. I cannot. And that word get up means to rise again. These, this is a picture of people that once were up and now they've gone back to bed. Once they burn with a passion for his purpose and his kingdom and stuff has happened, disappointments, distractions, and once they were eye to eye with him and now they're in bed with their babies. They said, I can't rise again. But guess what? The Holy Spirit will not quit. He is a persistent Holy Spirit. He says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend. See, deep down they loved God. They loved the Holy Spirit. But stuff had come and got inside their bed. The Holy Spirit says, even though you won't get up because I'm your friend, I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep shaking. I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to get on your roof and jump on your roof. I'm going to throw stones against your window. I'm going to turn on all the taps outside. I'm going to bang with pots and pans until you get out of your bed. Are you hearing what God is saying? This is not just a parable about persistent prayer. As much as it, This is a parable about the last day church that God is saying, Holy Spirit is coming and knocking to get you out of your bed of contentment. Because he wants to present something to the Father, sorry, to the Son as a gift. And what he's presenting to Jesus is not just nice little Christians that believe that they're saved, not just children, and not just sons that have overcome the enemy and know how to live with personal sanctification and victory over their mind, their will, and their emotions. But he's coming for a church. He wants three loaves of bread. He's coming for a church that knows how to rule and reign in the marketplace. Nothing else will satisfy. It's not two and a half loaves. It's not two loaves and a bit of raisin bread. It's three loaves I want. You need to get this in your heart. Because a lot of Christians are satisfied with one loaf of bread. Or two he says, I want three. I want children, sons and fathers all wrapped up in one. I want a victorious church. We're not just a soul winning church. That's wonderful. We're not just a church of transformation. That's wonderful. But we're a church of souls, transformation and then taking dominion over the world. He shall reign. He says, sit at my right hand till I make all your enemies your footstool. He is sitting in heaven till his feet begin to exercise authority. Seven times he says that to the church throughout Scripture. Why? It's a message to the seventh day church or the third day church. You must exercise dominion before I will get up and bring you home. Number five. The third day church, there will be an overflow of revelation and there will be miracles flowing through every believer on the third day. There will be an overflow of revelation and miracles that flow through every believer in the third day. How do I know that? Go to John 2. On the third day, there was a wedding feast and they'd run out of wine. 
So they were ordered by Jesus to fill six water pots. Six is the number of man. So on this third day, there, there is water flowing into the water pots. Water is a picture of the Word and the Spirit. God is filling every believer up to the brim with the Word and the Spirit. Up to the brim. Not halfway, but He's filling them up to the brim. And as we take from what is within us, the water, and we draw it out to give it to others, the water will turn into wine. Wine is the picture of revelation. And as the believers begin to draw out in these last days, the Word and the Spirit, as you've sat here under the preaching of the Word and you've experienced the moving of the Spirit and the war of the Word go out, and as you go out into your, your workplaces, wherever you go, and you draw down into that and you begin to give it out to others, revelation will begin to flow like a river. It will heal people and set them free. That's the third day church. Impossible circumstances will be changed by the miracle working power of God. Water into wine. It is impossible to put water into a jug, to pray a prayer, and for it to turn to wine. And not just any wine, but the greatest wine that's ever been tasted. And God has promised us in the last days, in the third day church, there would be over and over impossible circumstances that would be turned around. He's still the God of the Red Sea who can part the Red Sea when you're up against all the odds and there's no way out. God is still a miracle working God. And in the third day church, this will be our portion. Miracles, signs and wonders. To me, one of the greatest miracles will be the changing of the nations. I pray, I look out my window across the back of our city or across to the mountains and I pray and I pronounce that Jesus Christ is Lord over our city. I put my arms, I imagine the whole city. I go out to Tullamarine and I work my way out past Warrandyte to even Lilydale. I know it's part of Melbourne. And I go across to Dandenong, Cranbourne. And I go across to the peninsula and I make my way up through Brighton all around again. And I join and I grab my city in my hand and I pull it into my heart. And I say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And his purpose shall reign forever. It's impossible. In the natural, it's impossible. You walk through the streets of the city. You look up the buildings. How can one man change a nation? But in the third day church, God says, I will do miracles. I'll pour revelation through you and I'll transform water into wine. I will do what man cannot do. Not just in one man, but knows there were six. There were six of them. He'll do it through all flesh. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is not just for me. This is for you today. God wants to get something inside you, the spirit of faith that says, through me, nations can change. I dare you to speak that out of your mouth today. To go home, open up the door and shout out, this city will be changed in Jesus. They've been quickly shut the door. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, 
And when the word of the Lord came, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think he was somewhere between 15 or 18 for memory. But he was a young teenager and the word of the Lord came to him and says, before you were formed in your womb, I knew you. And I called you and I set you apart. Did you hear that? I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. One man, one little boy. The nations didn't even know Jeremiah. But God said, you know what? Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I, I God in heaven, I plan, God of all the nations who controls the nations, who lifts up and raises and puts down. I called you to be a mouthpiece to the nations. To control what happens. Little Jeremiah. That's what God's calling you for today. Remember, in the last days there will be impossible circumstances overturned because someone's being filled with the Word and the Spirit and it's drawn out from within them. God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.10, I appointed you this day over nations to overthrow the kingdom, to pluck up and break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. I am not intimidated by lobby groups and people with agendas. Because God said, it's who I appoint. If I appoint you and I call you to be a prophet, you will build and you will pluck and root out. That's your job. Nobody else. I don't care how much money these lobby groups have. If a prophet will stand up and represent me and begin to declare the revealed word of the Lord and draw up from the word and the spirit, wine will begin to flow for the nations. Revelation of who he is. They're blind. They don't see. They need revelation. He says, Jeremiah, I've called you. I don't have time to do it justice today, but when you go through the history of the nations, God said in in, uh, Deuteronomy, you can read this in your own time, Deuteronomy 14 verse 2, and there are many other passages on this, that, that when God parceled out the nations, He assigned angels over nations, but he said over Israel, I will be their God. They will be specially put aside for me. And what God did through Israel was he used them to be our prophetic mouthpiece to all the nations. He says, what I do in them will be a picture of what I want to do to all the earth. He chose Israel, small, insignificant. A little nation, downtrodden. He says, I'm going to call you my special possession. It gives you hope today. He says, I'm going to call that little nation. It's the polystyrene nation. It can't get put down. You push it, it gets back up. It's anointed and favoured by God. And I call this nation to be a mouthpiece to all nations, like Jeremiah. But Israel rejected God in the end. So God made a new nation out of Jew and Gentile called the church. And he says, I will speak now through my church to the nations. And eventually Israel will be grafted back into the church. So the church and Israel will become one. And I will raise up a people that will declare my manifold wisdom to the nations. God's plan hasn't changed. He wants to draw out and give to the nations. So I finish with Hosea chapter 6, verse 2. Why don't you turn with me as our last passage. So Lord, let revelation flow through me today. 
through every member here today. Let creative miracles, Lord, flow. Even, Lord, when we look at the nations, we say, how can it be changed? Lord, I thank you, Lord, as you did through Jeremiah and as you did through Israel. You spoke through them and you changed nations. Thank you for the prophetic flow, the power that is in our mouth as we speak the revealed word of the Lord to shift and change, to build up and to root out. Thank you that you are filling people with the water of the word and the spirit to the brim so they will be filled with a word of the Lord for this generation. And I speak that even now by the spirit that God is filling people afresh right up to the brim. You're like a water pot. And I see the Spirit of God pouring, 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 pouring over and over and over and over and over and over again till right up to the brim and overflowing. There'll be a word inside you that you can't, like Jeremiah says, like, it's like a burning fire within me and I can't keep it in. It's got to come out. It'll be a word to the nations. Shall a nation be born in a day? Yeah, God will do a quick work, a mighty work. And you will draw from the well that's inside you and it'll be wine for the nations. Be revelation to people groups, to workplaces, because it's not by might nor by power. It's not by your intellect, but it's by the Spirit of God. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Things that you could never do in a hundred years, God can do in a moment. We thank you for that, Lord, that you are pouring, pouring, pouring now. Your ability into your people for this hour. We are the third day church. Church of great dominion. A church that will measure up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. And we shall not be ashamed, but we shall measure up because your spirit within us shall lift us up, raise us up in this third day. Hosea 6, 2, come and let us return to the Lord. For he is torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken us, but he will bind us up. It's the picture of salvation. We were broken, torn, broken by sin. But our Lord Jesus came and he healed us and he bound us up. And after two days, he will revive us. That word revive is to recover, to restore. He will restore our soul. Not only will he save us, but he will restore us. And listen to this. On the third day, he will raise us up that we would live in his sight. That means that on the third day, he's going to lift us up so we can see him eye to eye. That's the fullness. See that? He will raise us up. He's going to get us out of bed. That we may live in his sight. We will see him eye to eye. We will be as him. We will work like him. As he is, so will we be in the world. I know for many Christians it's like, that's just so out there. That's okay. God's going to get you out of your bed. He's going to come knocking on your door and saying, I want three loaves for my friend. And he's going to come and stir you. He's going to speak to you at night. 
He's going to give you dreams and visions. He will speak to you and speak to you and speak to you and stir your heart because you are part of the third day church. He's going to enlarge your vision. He's going to give you greater revelation of the scriptures. He will truly show you what he is doing in this hour. And God's people will get a new blueprint and revelation of what is taking place on planet Earth. Our eyes shall be opened to what he is doing. And I thank you, Father, that you're doing that today.